We are Crossroads Grace Church. Our purpose is to lead people to discover Jesus and to follow Him fully. Today's message is taught by our lead pastor, Brian Hunt. From wherever you're listening, we hope that you are challenged and encouraged by this week's message. So as they take off, I'm just going to welcome you to the first week of a brand new series that we're calling Stuff You Can't Say in Church. Uh, and before we get too far, I'm just going to uh, hand out a few little props here. It'll make more sense in a little bit. Oh, good hands. All right. So in, in, in a little bit, you're going to be, uh, you're not keeping these. Oh, you're going to keep these. You're going to actually be a part of this in a little bit here. So um, way in the back. There we go. All right. So make sure you're being a part of it and you'll know when to do it in just a second. Just a second. Um, there's, a, there's a tiger under the chair. I've never been able to say that in church, but that's pretty cool. There's a tiger under the chair. So uh, brand new series, stuff that we, you can't say in church. It's, it's a series that's really around my friend Bo Chansey's book that is, uh, has the same title. It's, it's, it's stuff that you can't say in church. And, and Bo is a tremendously gifted pastor in, in Manchester, Connecticut, other side of the map from where we're at right now, in some of the most unchurched uh, territory in all the United States. And his church, Manchester uh, Christian Church, is killing it, just crushing it. And he wrote this book. Uh, called Stuff That You Can't Say in Church. What if one prayer could change your view of God and money? It's a tremendous book. In fact, we're going to be blessed that next week he'll be here to be actually give the message next weekend. Uh, I'll still be here, but I'm excited to have Pastor Bo with us. Uh, but it's a really cool book that he wrote back in 2015. And it gets, it's a hard look at, at giving. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to just take a look at what it looks like to have our relationship between God and money especially around this time of Thanksgiving, which is just, a, I think, a prime time for us to discuss this. Because around Thanksgiving, a couple of things happen. There, there are two main things that happen during this time of year. One, we have this desire or this excitement about getting stuff, don't we? Right? We, we want to get stuff, and then, we, of course, we feel the guilt that we have to buy other people's stuff that we might not even like, but we're going to buy them stuff so we don't have to hear about it later. Maybe that's just my family, but you know, you know what I mean? Like you, you, you buy a bunch of stuff, and you're thinking... I don't have enough money to do that, so that's where credit card balances go high, and you're paying for stuff from six years ago because you didn't have it, but you, you feel like you gotta spend a ton of money in order for you to get some stuff back. That's kind of what you're, you wrestle with. But then on the other side of the coin of our spirit is that we really, around this time of year, like to help people. And so we like to give back. We like to volunteer for Thanksgiving. We bring our families and we volunteer at the homeless shelters. And we, we might even give money to people because we have this sense that I, I want to give. I want to be, be generous. And so these two worlds are really in, in, in conflict with one another. They're in conflict. This idea that I want to I spend on me. I'm going to get stuff. But I also want to give stuff at the same time. This huge tension that comes with that. And I think deep down, we understand that we need to understand the tension better. We need to kind of put our arms around a little bit more. I mean, if we were able to separate our emotions from what's happening and fly at 30,000 feet above ourselves, we would see that there is a, there's a problem between our intentions and our actions when it comes to those things. That our intentions of what we want to do aren't matching up with our actions, what we actually are doing. And, and when we realize that, we realize that it's impossible to accomplish what we want to be doing at that time. And we need help. We just kind of say, man, I need some help. Like, how do, I, how do I do this? Yet when we talk about this subject in church, all of a sudden the temperature goes up about 50 degrees in the tent, doesn't it? Right? Everybody's blood pressure starts going up. You're looking for the lipitory, trying to figure out how you're going to keep it, keep it going, you know? Right? Because we, we, we want to stay away from that. And so some people, man, they'll walk out. They'll stick their fingers in their ear. They're like, I don't want to hear about this stuff anymore. Because talking about money is something that we think is stuff we shouldn't say in church. That we should just... Leave it alone. 
And, and honestly, I believe that part of the reason that happens is because of the slimy practices of health and wealth pastors out there that are just clowning around with private jets and bigger homes than we'll ever know and, and living lifestyles that we'll never even be able to, to, to live in. And, and, and so every church gets painted into the same Versace corner that everybody else is in. And, and we kind of lump them all together. However, no matter what the vocal minority might do to taint the subject of money in church, we cannot ignore what Jesus said about it. Like, it, we, can't, it we can't force us to impact how we approach different subjects in church. It, it can't cause the church to shy away from talking about it. Because as the great pastor Billy Graham once said, he says, if a person gets his attitude toward money straight, it will help straighten out almost every other area in his life. It's so true. So it, honestly, it would be unthinkable for us not to talk about this in church because it's such, there's such a gravitational pull on our lives with this. It's so over the next few weeks, we're going to look at the stuff you can't say in church right in the middle of the time where there's this tension between, what we, between giving and getting, this, this huge tension that's there. So each week, what we're going to do is we're going to use different symbols that you see all around your life all the time to kind of give us a, a jumping off point to talk about these different aspects of giving in church. And so to begin with, what we're going to start off with today is, of course, we're going to talk about money. Money, 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 money. Right, we're going to talk about money today, the root of everything. Why we don't want to talk about stuff at church is because of this right here. But Okay. Before I get too far in, I just I, this might come as a surprise, maybe for some, maybe not, but I am a weird guy, okay? Like I, I'm a weird dude, all right? And, and my wife, she's embraced it. My kids, they definitely know that I'm a weird guy. Like, they totally understand it. But I'm weird because I kind of, like, think about strange things all the time. And, for instance, like, let's take, like, Donald Duck, for instance, okay? Thinking about Donald Duck. Donald Duck never wears pants. Ever, ever, right? But when he gets out of the shower, he always puts a towel around his waist, right? So what's, what's that about? You know, what's going on there? How about the movie Home Alone? You ever wonder what Kevin Malone's parents do for a living to be able to afford that house and fly everybody back and forth with no problems at all? Okay, that's things I think about. How, how about doctors, okay? You may agree with me, and you might be a doctor here today, and you can help me figure this out, but don't you think as patients, you should know where they graduated in their graduating class? Like, do I got the top guy or the guy that barely made it in? You know what I mean? Like the last guy. Not to mention the fact that what you call what you do is practice, okay? That concerns me a little bit, right? Because I, I want you to be in game mode, all right? Not practice mode, game mode when we are talking together. So I, I think about things like that. But another thing that I think about is, is I, I put myself in the shoes of famous people, like actors or sports athletes, whatever it might be. I, I, I think about them, and I wonder what it would be like if they go to the, to the cash register at Marvell and, and, and they look at the magazines that are there, and all of a sudden they see things written about themselves on the covers. Like Brad Pitt, you know, Brad Pitt married to a Denmark woman that is, that is 90 years old and they're expecting their first child. Like, what do you do if you're Brad and you see that? Kim Kardashian. Actually, a genetically created robot by, by, by Louis Vuitton to sell more purses and shoes, like that kind of stuff. Like, what do, you, what do you do with that? Because we all know what that's called. That's called fake news. We see it all the time, fake news. For instance, I read this. Did you know that Chipotle now offers easy payment plans on guacamole? Did you know that? Me to you, right? Or how about this one? That California update stop signs to read, stop or don't. Whatever's cool, you do you, right? That's, that, that's, that happens. Or even in churches, churches install siren that goes off if you try to sneak out to refill your coffee in the middle of the sermon. We put those in in the new building. I'm telling you, it's going to be amazing. 
Y'all just keep your booties in your seat. That's all I'm saying, right? Or this one. California begins issuing a $1,000 fine for each tiny plastic communion cup served. Right? We'd be in trouble. We'd be in a lot, a lot of trouble every week, right? Fake, fake news. All the fake news. It's absurd when you read it. And you might even kind of giggle to yourself a little bit. But I just wonder what God is saying as he looks at the headlines of humanity and he reads what we're saying about money and our relationship to him. Or how about people, how they look at money in the church? How, do, how does he respond to the fake headlines of the day compared to what he actually says about it? Or, or better yet, do you ever see fake news? Do you ever see it as fake news? Or do you take it as, as gospel truth, ignoring the National Enquirer logo at the top of what you're hearing? So, so, so to open up today, I want us to talk about the fake news that we're hearing about God and money. Things that are just kind of commonly accepted in our culture as facts, re regardless of, of whether they're true or not. Things about money and Jesus and church and God, the whole kind of thing. And the question really underlying is, why do we think, why do we think this is something we shouldn't talk about in church? That, that, that's the question. And while some people might kind of shy away from the question and say, oh, let's not do it, I think it's critical. I think it's critical. Why do we automatically feel these, these feelings when it comes to money? Because frankly, I can't think of something that's more like polarizing than maybe sex when we talk about that in church. And they, it, it elicits such an important, like it, I would say an intense response from people. People lose their minds when we talk about this. And so what I want to do just for this week, I want to tackle five fake news stories that are out there about God and money. So if you have your app with you today, I'd encourage you to open that. You can find all the notes there. Or you want to open up your, your notes, you can take some notes. And uh, obviously your Bible, you kind of have to hang tight with me. It'll be in a lot of spots. But... As you do that today, I want you to do this. As we go through these five fake news stories, I want you to ask yourself this question. Have I ever felt like this before? So, so when these, these five fake news stories coming up, come up, I want you to ask, have I ever felt that way before? Like, is that me? Is that me or is it, is it not? And here's why this is really important before we go any, any further. Because if we aren't able to attach a reason or a personal situation about these misconceptions, then chances are you don't think of you, you didn't think of them yourself. You adopted them through cultural osmosis. And, and if you you know brain dump eighth grade biology and chemistry and don't remember what osmosis is, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay because there's not only a biological definition of osmosis. There's a psychological definition of osmosis, and it's this: that osmosis is the process of a, a gradual or unconscious assimilation of ideas and knowledge, right? It's really important to understand that, that, that if we are careful, we, you and I can have spiritual osmosis that happens to us in all kinds of areas of our life, that we will start believing things because of an unconscious assimilation that's happened with what we believe. And somebody might say, well, why do you believe that? And we'll say, well, I don't even know. Like, I'm not even sure why I believe that. So my challenge to you and my challenge to myself is to take a risk and to take all those osmotic beliefs that we've kind of assimilated into our life and kind of put them over here and set them aside for the next couple of minutes and just to think about these for a second. And then as we do that, be willing to look at these things with fresh eyes, new lenses, and understand that God isn't looking to take anything from you. He's actually wanting to give you everything. So we're gonna look at five fake news stories today to be able to understand some things that we're hearing about God and money and see what's true. Uh, first one that we see is, is this. Every time I go to church, all I talk about is money. And that might be you right now in your brain, maybe out loud or maybe in your brain. You're thinking, you've got to be kidding me. The one weekend I decide to come to church, 
I'm in a tent and the boy's talking about money. Are you kidding me, right? This is the weekend I chose. And there becomes this stirring inside us that we feel like we got duped somehow. Like someone pulled the wool over our eyes. So you might even look out of the corner of your eye at your spouse that kind of got you here tonight, your friend, and you're thinking, you know what? Uh, you, I can't believe you tricked me. You know, you, you, you are paying for lunch today and you are going to tip it because this crazy humanity you brought me in today. You feel like you got duped somehow. And before we ever hear anything, we will dismiss the message because of our self-induced misery. We'll totally dismiss it. But again, if we're going to be willing to ask hard questions, we need to be willing to at least hear from Jesus what he would say. So before we go any further, I want us to hear Jesus' words, kind of the, the great commission that he gave his disciples and ultimately us. Let's listen. He says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age." Jesus commissions his disciples, says, boys, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go and tell. But did you notice this one important line? This one important line that says, and teaching them to obey. What's that word? Everything I have commanded you. He says, I want you to teach them everything I have commanded you. So I just tell you this, that as a pastor that wants to teach the fullness of the Bible, to, to honor God with my entire life, I have to follow what Jesus says. And so my hands are a little tied here. That if Jesus talks about it, then we need to talk about it. As someone that loves Jesus, that we need to be following what he tells us to do. And whether we like it or not, Jesus talked about money a lot. Like a lot, a lot. The Bible itself, over 2,300 verses are devoted to money or wealth or possessions. 2,300 verses. 15% of all that Jesus talked about in his messages were about money. 11 out of the 39 parables were about money or possessions. Jesus talked about this stuff a lot. So it would be crazy for us as a church if we say we want to honor what God tells us to do and what Jesus told us to do, not to talk about money. But it would also be crazy for us not to talk about love and grace and forgiveness and mercy, all those things. But we need to be careful because a church that talks all about the love and mercy and grace in God but forgets about money is not doing you any favors. And also a church that talks all about money but without talking about love or grace or mercy is also off. So it's in the middle. God tells us that we need to, to teach everything that Jesus commanded us to do. So we have to speak on all of them because money matters to us. And as, as my friend, Pastor Trevor DeBeige would say, money matters to us, so it matters to God. Money matters to us, so it matters to God. So listen, we have to speak about it because it's a huge aspect of our life. So if you're here today and you're like, man, this church all it talks about money. No, we don't. We talk about all kinds of different things. But we do talk about money because since it matters to us, it matters to God. Well, let's look at the second fake news headline. It's this one. It says, my money is my business and none of God's concern. My money, my business. And, and I want to say something right out of, out of the chute, right, right up front to my friends that might be here today that don't believe in God. You don't believe in Jesus. Man, I'm so, so glad that you are here today. And if you're here today and that's you, you need to know that this is 100% true for you. 100% true. God has no right to your money because there is no conviction to what he says. 100% true. So listen, if you're here today, I'm telling you that your money is your business. And any Christian that tells you otherwise, me or anybody else, is, is lying to you because if you aren't going by God's playbook, it's hard for me to hold you to God's, to, to God's if you're not on God's team. 
Like you, you can't be on God's playbook if you're not playing on our team. So listen, if that's you here today, sit back, relax. The rest of this is for other people. But maybe, just maybe, you might want to listen in. And maybe there's something about it for you. Because I will say this, that if you are here today and you do consider you're a Christ follower and you want to honor God with your entire life, then we need to work through this together a little bit. And let, let's think about it. And let me, let me start by asking you, did you, did you ever notice, um, if your parents in the room, did you ever notice that you don't have to teach your kids some things? If you're, if you're a teacher in here too, you, you'll, you'll probably even appreciate this too. Like, I've never once had to teach my kids how to whine. Like, never once, you know? Like, yeah, like no, you gotta go lower. Like, get, get down there lower. You know, like, I've never once had, they just naturally whine all the time. All the time. It's, it's perfectly fine for them. I, I've never once in a million years ever had to teach my kids how to brag about themselves. Never once. I've never had to teach them how to lie. Never. You know, like, hey, listen, that was the truth. But if you say it this way, it's going to be a lie. No, no, no. They just like naturally do that stuff. I've also never had to teach my kids how to say mine. Mine, 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 mine. Right? Never. I've never had to teach them how to be selfish because it's almost like it's ingrained in themselves and in you to protect your stuff and not want anybody to have any of your things. After all, we'll think we earned it, we saved it, we obtained it, so we deserve it. We'll tell ourselves that. And, and But we need to understand that there's a couple of massive assumptions when it comes to this line of thinking. This line of thinking that says that my money is my business and none of God's concern. Two big things we need to unpack in this statement. The first is, is that it, it makes the assumption that, that, um, that there are some things that aren't God's. That there are some things that aren't God's and that, that aren't God's. And, and the other thing is, is that God has a limited scope of concern. So two things we need to understand. So is, is, are there some things that God doesn't have anything to do with? And then the second part is, is God only, limited, only concerned about a few things? So, so let's, let's understand this. To, to understand the first thing, this idea that there's some things that aren't God's, we have to understand, is, is what I have really mine? We have to, is what I have really mine? And for this to be true, for everything that I have to be mine, we have to establish what I'll call ultimate ownership. Ultimate ownership. And, and I'm not talking that this is just about money. This is in all areas of your life. But since we're here today, let's just kind of focus our attention to hear about our money. Because our logic, logical argument goes this way. I got the job. I worked hard for it. I earned the paycheck. I'm the reason that I have this money. Therefore, I hold the ultimate say in what I do with it, not God. And, and, and guys, I can understand that very well might be true. Think about it. You, you went to college. You might have re received the degree. You might have earned the internship. You might have nailed the job interview. You might have gotten the job. You might have made the sale. You might have gotten all the commissions. You might have climbed the corporate ladder. You might be so high, you're making more money than Bill Gates right now. That all could be true, 100% true. Except there's one missing piece that we don't think about. Who gave you the breath in your lungs to wake up every day? Right? Who gave you the mind to make the grades and answer the questions and make the sales? Who, who, who gave you the physical abilities to stand up, get in your car, and drive to that sales appointment? Who, who did that? You see, the ultimate question of ownership is who is the originator? Because the ultimate originator is the one that holds the keys to ultimate ownership. That's just how it works. And as a Christian, we believe the ultimate originator is God. Way back, Genesis 1, 20, or 1, 1 says, In the beginning, God created. So God takes things that there, there's nothing, and God creates something. He, he creates the, the birds in the air and the bugs in the mud. He, he creates all of that stuff. But he wasn't done. He actually saved the very, very best for last. In fact, he says this in verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. 
In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So, so, so what God does, he creates you and me, but he doesn't create us like an aardvark or an anteater. He creates us differently. It says he creates us in his image, which is a fancy phrase. It's called the imago Dei, the image of God, that he creates us in his image. So, so not a Rolex knockoff, not a Labradoodle mix, not, not a fake Whopper from Burger King. No, 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 nothing of that. No, we are the real deal. God's one of a kind, a masterpiece, 100% Agnes beef, right? We're handcrafted by the ultimate originator. God makes us in his image. But then check this out. God didn't make us and then put us on a shelf like a trophy to dust off occasionally. No, no, God does something. He makes us, but then he does something profound. If you go to the very next verse, it tells us, it says, God bless them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So, so God gives them a J-O-B, gives them a job, puts them to work. He provides them things that they need to do. He says, get your hands dirty, get dirty. But what would he expect them to do with the bounty of their work? Right, because if they're in, in the dirt and they're growing things, they're taking care of animals, I mean, they could easily say, well, you know what? I raised the crops. I, I, I fed the animals. I did the work. So does that mean that they get to take home the bacon from that? Not until the New Testament do they get the bacon part. But like right now, like, do they get to take that home? No. No, no, no. What? Well, the answer is found in chapter 3 of Proverbs. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, the first fruits of all your crops. Honor the Lord with your wealth, the first fruits of all your crops. God says that the way that you honor him as the creator, as the ultimate originator, is that we give him the first fruits, the very best of what we've been given. And we'll talk more about this in a couple of weeks. But at the very least, what this says is that God says that the way that we honor him for what, we, for what he's done for us is not to hoard what he's given us, but to give him some back. And the reality is, is that it's not our stuff at all. It's all his. Because we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. But what about the other aspect of that question, though? We've said that we've understood that it's, there is no things that is outside of, of God's. We, that there's not some things that his and some things that aren't. You know, we've established it's all his. But what about, does God have a limited scope of concern? Are there things that he really worries about and other things that he says, oh, just do you, you do you, you know, whatever, whatever you need. And the reality that we have to think about is that if that's true, then we are somehow autonomous in our, in our life. That somehow God kind of set things in motion and let us go over here by ourselves. But that can't be true. Because what we read and what God tells us is that he says that God knew us before we were born. That he knit us together in our mother's womb. That he knows every hair on our head or lack thereof. He knows everything about us. He tells us in his word that he wants us to pray continuously to, to him so that we have a, a relationship with him constantly. So there is no way that there's something that's outside of his concern if he made us, created us, and wants us to have a relationship with him. There is absolutely no way. So there aren't things that are God's and some that are mine, and there aren't things that he's concerned about that he's not concerned about. It's all from God, and he's concerned about everything. Okay, so that's number two. Number three, let's look at this next fake news story. Churches are greedy. All they want is my money. That's all they want. Now, I need to be honest with you guys here today. 100% honest, true, true statement. 
There are churches that are designed this way. There are churches out there. There are pastors that are so focused on squeezing every dime out of you that that's 100% true. So listen, I, I, I get why you would be a little gun shy when we talk about money in church. I get it. It's because of what we see happening all around us. Pre preachers that are living better lifestyles than all of us put together. That's Instagram preacher sneakers. If you've ever seen that, that right? They, they go around, they take pictures of all the fancy pastor's shoes and they're way more money than my mortgage is even, right? So I get it. But, but again, this doesn't, just because of people doing dumb things, doesn't take away what God says in his word about money. And I just want to let you know a little secret here. God is greedy. God is greedy. He, he is so greedy, he wants even more than your money or my money. I mean, he wants so much more than that because God wants everything about you and about me. Everything. Because he sent his son Jesus from the perfection where he had everything to earth where there was nothing. He sent Jesus here so that he could be greedy and say, I want all of you. He's going to die for your sins in your place. And so you'll have grace and we can have a relationship. I want all of you. So not just your wallet. I want everything about you. I am greedy for you, God says. It says he's jealous for us. But we need to understand that the opposite of greed is generosity. That's what God just showed us. He was generous sending Jesus to earth, not greedy by keeping him to himself and saying, hey, fend for yourself. So the opposite of greed is generosity. And that's why we as a church, we are committed to constantly being generous and letting you know ways that we, that you can be generous and we can be generous together. Which brings me to the fact that we're going to be doing a $5 challenge as a result, and during the series. And, and a $5 challenge is, if you haven't been around, it's super awesome. It's been around a couple of years. It's very, very easy. All we do is at the end of the service, when you walk out, we, we want you to give $5. Just put $5 in the buckets that are going to be there for you. What we do is we take all that money together and then we use it. We don't keep any of it. We use it to, be, to bless other people and to be generous. The first time we did that, we took all the money together. We actually went to a local grocery store and we paid for people's groceries as they're getting ready to, to, to check out. The stories that came from that were unreal. Well, people got excited about that. The next thing we did, we did a $5 challenge. We got enough money to buy a single mom a car who was disabled. So cool. And then the most recent one we did, we took $5 in. It got a little bit bigger. And we were able to pay off the cancer bill for someone fighting cancer right here. It was just un unreal. So cool. And Jessica is rocking and we love her so much. But we, we want to give you a taste of what it's like to be generous. And when you feel that, you can't help but get excited. You're like, oh, I was a part of that. So we want to do that again. So at the end of this, as you leave here today, we're going to ask you to give $5. Just put it $5 in the bucket. At the end of this series, we're going to tell you what we're going to do with it. And, and you'll just get to see. So I'm not going to tell you, no strings attached, $5 in there. You can put $10, $500, whatever you want to. It's fine. I'm not going to keep any of it. We're going to give it away. But we're going to do a $5 challenge because we believe that God, is not, God doesn't want us to be greedy with what he's given us, but generous because he is a generous, generous God. Okay. Now, number four, the next fake news story is this. I feel guilty, so if I give, God will be happy with me again. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand on that, but I bet there's some people that have felt that way. In fact, you might even feel that way right now. You might have grown up in a tradition where if you start to do, you know, maybe you start sinning and you start, you know, forgetting to come to church or whatever, you're like, oh, I got I to gotta pay the piper. I got to give some money in order to get right with God again. And you feel this guilt just well up in you. And your stomach starts to hurt. And you almost have ulcers because you're like, ugh. And you think, if I can just pay off God, things will be okay. Guys, let me just tell you, God, guilt is not God's MO. I, I'm not sure who told you that, but it is a lie. 
And to prove that, let me just show you something with just a very basic verse. I, I want to show you a Bible verse that you might have seen a million times before, or maybe at a football game or 20 before. It's John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Man, we love that verse. We love Mesa, John 3, 16. We love that. But we oftentimes forget about his very close cousin that's the verse right after that doesn't get as much airplay. Verse 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Guys, that verse is so important. That God's heart is not condemnation. It's not guilt. It's, it's generosity. It's giving. It's, I want to love you. I'm going to love you into, into, into submission, right? I, it, it's much different than guilting someone into submission or loving them into submission, right? He wants to love us so much that we, want to, we just want to be with him all the time, that we want to trust him in our entire life. We just want to, we want to be generous, and so we, we give. God gave to us, and so he says, hey, I just want you to, to be generous like me, because it's not out of guilt. In fact, it's out of, out of love. It's out of excitement. In fact, we'll talk more about this in a second. So it's not about guilt. It's not about guilt, it's about giving, it's about love, it's about understanding that God is generous. And then number five, the last fake news story that we see. I am a tither. So if all the other people would just start tithing, then we wouldn't have to talk about money anymore. That, that's what, right. And so if that's you here today, again, asking our, ourselves a question, have I ever felt like this before? Maybe some of you have deep down felt that before. And what's dangerous about this is where this nasty R word starts to come in. It's the word religion. It's your religion. It, that's, that's what we say. We want to look at how good we are, how faithful we are, and we look around at all those other people and say, hey, could you just pick up the slack a little bit? Tired of carrying your weight. We think that if we give enough money that maybe this bald guy will just shut up about the whole thing. That's what we think. Reminds me of the story that the pastor that stands up before the message and he says, friends, I, I have here in my hands three messages. One message that is $100 and it will last five minutes. One that's $50 and it will last 15 minutes. Or one that is $10 and it will last a full hour. So we will take an offering and see which sermon I'm going to preach today. Biggest offering they've ever had in their entire life, right? You know, just get throwing the Benjamins out. Because if we pay off the pastor, he'll be quiet. If we just all tithe, everything will be fine. So for some reason, listen, we've, we've missed out that this is a heart issue, not a wallet issue. This is a heart issue, not a wallet issue. And, and the way in which we give is as important as what we give. Paul describes this so well in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. He says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. I love saying this all the time, right? Cheerful in the Greek means hilarious. Hilarious. It means, <laughs> I get to give, right? That's what he's talking about. So excited that they're cheerful. They're actually freaking out. They're that excited about it. But guys, I can understand why there might be giving fatigue out there. I, I completely understand. Looking around, feeling like, man, I, I don't know. It feels like there's a lot of people that could be doing a lot more. But I also need you to understand that the example that we set as Christians is often what makes the most difference in people's lives. So listen, if we tap out people that give on a regular basis and understand it, if we tap out when we feel tired, if we look at it as a temporary thing, as not as a life thing, or, or when times get hard that we just give up, or 
Heaven forbid, if we start looking at giving, giving to God is dependent on what other people do, then we've missed the mark completely, all together. We've missed the point that God says giving is to be joyful, hilarious. It should be an act of worship that we would want to do that because of what God has done for us. So instead of being frustrated with other people that aren't seeing the, the importance of giving, maybe you and me as seasoned followers of Jesus that have seen the impact that it's had on our life, maybe we need to share our lives with more people. Instead of looking down at them, what if we sat down next to them and talked to them? See, Jesus was always about using real-time examples to teach his disciples about all kinds of things, including giving. All, all, all the time. He, he would say, hey, hey look how generous that, that, that old woman is over there that, that has no money, but yet she's giving out of, her, out, out of her poverty about what she doesn't have. That's a generous woman. He says, look at that rich young ruler over there, you, rich man over there, that he can't even get into heaven because he can't let go of his money. Look, look at that. He says, look at that tax collector over there who I talked to and, and, and he was swindling people of all their money. But then I told him about what I, the life that I give him. And he's giving the money back. In fact, he's giving it back four times the amount that he took from people. Look at all that. See, Jesus was always about using real examples to make a real impact. That was what Jesus did. So the impact to have, you can have on someone, you can either draw them closer to God or you can push them farther away. The, the choice, it's up to us. But I want to be really careful about something. I don't want you to leave here thinking that God doesn't want you to enjoy what he's, he's given you. I don't want you to think that for a second. That, that somehow God is saying, I want you to live poor and miserable on the side of the road. That's really true, true faith. No, not at all. King Solomon said something quite the opposite in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Now, it, Solomon is the richest man that ever lived. And so when we hear about things with money, we should pay attention. And he says, this is what I observed to be good. That it is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given them. For this is their lot. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. They seldom reflect on the days of their life because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. God wants you, God wants me to enjoy what he has given us, but to keep it in the right perspective. That the stuff isn't the greatest thing about your life. God is. Let, let me explain it to you this way, a little tongue twister. It says, it's the giver of the gift that gives us gladness, not gladness from the gift. I'll say it again. It's the giver of the gift that gives us gladness, not gladness from the gift. Guys, the giver is greater than the gift. But, but so often what we do is we hold on to our stuff that it is impossible to allow God to be let in. It is impossible. And as I was thinking about this, it was so beautiful that the, the World Series actually gave me a great illustration of what this is. In fact, take a look at this. 2-1. That is hit into left center field. Back at the wall. It is gone. How about the guy that the home run hit out in left center field? Did he barehanded? No, I think he had a beer in each hand and he just let it hit him right in the chest or the gut. It's got to hurt a little, doesn't it? Hey, Steve, you know what? That's great. He got the ball anyways. Right? So I said, think, just, just think about what just happened there for a second, okay? Dude's got two Bud Lights in his hand, okay? Two Bud Lights in his hand. And, and, and coming at him is a world series. 
Series home run ball. Like, are you kidding me right now, okay? Like, you paid 50 bucks for those beers, like I get it, right? But it's a World Series, once in a lifetime opportunity, this ball is coming, and boy's like, nope, and he just gets it, drill him in the chest. He won't let go of it. He'd rather have cardiac arrest than this ball hitting the chest than he would let go of his beers, right? And, and all of us here are thinking, bro, you're nuts. Let go of the beers and catch the ball, okay? But here, let me just say this right now. Almost every single one of us are like that guy. We think, you know what? I, I've got my money, I, I've got my life, and I gotta hold on to it as hard as I possibly, I can't let go of it. And then where are my ball people at, right? So just throw those balls, right? Right, so you're holding on, you're like, no, okay, you know, oh, right. You know, you're like, oh, right, no, I can't let go, no, right? You know, oh, damn, The first service was a lot lower with their throws, so thank you for that. The more you're awake, the higher they get. That's good, right? But bring it back, right? So all this stuff is coming at us. And, and God is the same way, and God is like, hey, I want to give you something. And, you're, and, he's like, and you're like, no, I can't. Oh, I can't. So you just like wear it, right? And you just over and over, God's like, no, I want to bless you. All you got to do is just let go of the stuff. And you're like, oh, no, 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 no I got it. And, and here's what happens so often. It doesn't, doesn't this happen that you see something God wants to give you and you won't let go and so you kind of let it go by and it goes past you? But then as you watch and see what happens and you, think, and you see what it could have been, you're like, oh, I missed it. I, I, I missed it, right? Or, or heaven forbid, like you, you see something that, that God really wanted to blow your mind with and you, you, there's never enough of this to make you feel be better about it. And there's not enough life that you could live to, to miss out because God's saying, what, what would happen if you just let go, and, and, and then if someone, and when I threw you something, you had your hands ready to catch it. And you could just catch it because God's saying, I want to give you something. Because guess what? Every time you let go of this and you accept what God gives you, it's always better. It is always better. I've never met one person that says, man, on my deathbed, I wish I had some more money. I've never met one person on their deathbed that says, oh, I wish I could have done one more Insta story. Like I've never once met anybody. When you let go of what you think is so important and you take what God says is more important, it is unbelievable what happens to your life. Because now you're ready for whatever God throws at you. So are these things not important? No, of course they're important. But they're not as important as what God wants to give you in this moment. So he's saying, just hold it loose. Hold it loose. Drop them. Grab onto it. Because what I'm going to give you is much much better. And we have the proof of that. Because on a cross, Jesus held his arms out wide. And he took on the sin and the shame of you and me. He, he took it on and he just, he, he took it so that we would never have to feel that. He, he, he took it on so that we could be loved. He took it on so that we could have a relationship with him forever. He didn't die for our money. He died for you. He died for our souls. And he says, if, 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 if you're willing to, to let go of that stuff, I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to give you a life that you never thought possible. I'm going to give you so much. Just let go. Just let go. And so whether we're talking about money or our jobs or our relationships or whatever, God says, let go and take the blessing I'm trying to give you. But especially when it comes to our money. If we hold that stuff loosely, I'm telling you, God's going to give you more than you'll ever need. And he's going to bless your life. But we have 
have to let go. I have to trust. So at communion, we get to remember that every week. We get to take communion, remember his broken body and his shed blood. And the second trays will pass in front of you and you notice two cups in there, bread in the bottom, juice in the top. Take them both out. Hold on to them. We're going to commune together. But, but as we worship and as we sing, I, I just want you to think. I just want you to think, what do I need to let go of? Where have I been reading some fake headlines that just aren't true? God, I need to hear truth from you today. And I want to let go of that stuff and I want to receive whatever you're going to give me. Even if it's hard. Even if it's hard. Because even the hard stuff is better. Because God is in it. So I pray that you'll have that time of reflection as we worship, as we hear about the blood of Jesus and what it's done for us. And to know without a shadow of a doubt that he loves you more than you ever know. That is not fake news. Jesus loves you more than you'll ever know. And he proved it by dying on the cross for your sins and mine. So we can live free. So we can receive whatever he'll throw at us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just are humbled to think about how amazing you are. We're humbled to think that you would send your son to an imperfect world as he leaves the perfection of heaven, that he would come to an imperfect world and he would do that willingly for us. You are a generous, generous God. We have no words to put around that. But God, you tell us that we don't need to say anything. We just need to do. We need to live. We need to accept your son Jesus as our savior. And we need to let go of the stuff that we hold on to so tightly in this world and receive what you want to give us. So God, I pray that we would do that. Wherever that might mean in our lives today, that we might do that. And you might speak to us now as we remember your son, Jesus, who died on the cross for our sins. Help us to commune well. Help these words of these songs to resonate with our spirit. God, be with us now. We love you and thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've discovered Jesus and this ministry has helped you follow him fully, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give through our Crossroads app or at crossroadsgrace.org give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Now go and follow him fully.